All right, so brand new series for 2020 uh, starting today is top fails. And today we're going to start off with the top 15 fails yep. related to mixing up your salts. Uh, I've done them, you've done them, yep. but what's number one? Number one is debating the best salt. Uh, mm -hmm. I just don't think I'll go into a forum and debate my salt over anybody else's anymore. Yeah, so like really, man, all of them have produced uh, really solid results. Mm -hmm. uh, none of them are so toxic that the fish are gonna jump out. True. And none of them are so miraculously great that you're gonna dump it in and the corals are gonna double in size in the next <laughs> week. You know, there are definitely uh, some advantages to some over the others, but like we don't really need to debate best because no. best means all kinds of different things. Best price, you know, best mixing, you know, all kinds of different things. Yep. There is no universal best. All right, but that kind of leads into uh, number two. What is it? Number two is assuming that all salts are the same, because they're not. Mm. So there is differences in, but differences in them, uh, but that doesn't make one better than the other. It depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, really. So I'm just going to say that if you go down, we, when we explored all of these salts, you can see that some of them mix faster, yep. some of them have gunk in them, some of them don't, uh, you know, some of them store longer, some of them have way higher levels than others. Like, yes. I mean, sometimes you're just buying a brand, but you didn't realize, hey, that brand's actually like 12 DKH, and what I was using before was seven or eight. Right. That's a big difference, right? <laughs> so there are actually all kinds of different differences. You know, in terms of quality also, you know, kind of get what you pay for, and a lot of that is based in the source of sodium chloride. So for those of you who don't know, most of this bucket is actually just sodium chloride, yeah, right? Yeah, salt. And like that can come from mine sources, that can come from uh, like uh, desalination plants right. or whatnot where they just dehydrate the mm -hmm. salt out. Or that can come from like either one of those sources but like refined to a different purpose, like pharmaceutical grade yeah. or whatever. But like all of those things have different expectations and you can like see it with a naked eye in most cases. So in any case, there are actual differences between all of them. You can go check out some of the investigates and stuff, but like note that they're well, none of them's gonna drastically change the way you succeed or fail. Uh, like, uh, there are definitely some differences. So the number three fail, what is it? Uh, this one is using a salt that doesn't match your tank levels. So if I want this tank to run at 9 dKH, I should source out a salt that is at or around that dKH when I mix it up. There's so many options out there. There's like really no reason. Like if I have an 8 dKH tank, there's no reason I should buy a 12 dKH no. bucket. If I'm running 12 dKH in my tank, there's really no reason I should buy like an 8 dKH salt, right? Yeah. And like the differences in price, like uh, on the whole bucket might be significant, but like on a weekly or monthly change, it's like insignificant, mm. especially if I have to buy chemicals and measure and test kits to fix it. Why fix it? when for about the same price in most cases, you know, 10 bucks one way or the other, yep. I can actually get the thing that actually matches my tank and there are options out there to do it. So uh, I'd say number three fail is really getting stuck on a brand instead of getting salt, uh, stuck on, you know, the thing that matches the desired chemistry for your tank. And related to that, what is number four? Yeah, that one is making those considerations to the different levels when switching salt brands. So if I'm mm -hmm. gonna switch from like a, a Coral Pro bucket to uh, now I kinda wanna try this, you know, this other bucket. Uh, uh, the biggest thing to pay attention to there and that one of the biggest fails is my Coral Pro might be 11 or 12, and the salt that I really want to try and go check out might be like seven or eight. Yeah, 
like don't, <laughs> uh, you know, or have a plan. Yeah, like no full well when I do this, I am now going to have to compensate, yeah. you know, for that and change the chemistry. So uh, yeah, if you're switching salts, make sure you're not just switching to a brand, you're switching to a chemistry that matches your you desires go. for your tank. All right, so that leads into number five fail for mixing up salt water, what is it? Yeah, this one is mixing the water to the salt. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, we're talking about a highly concentrated solution as I add water to a uh, powdered substance, my powdered salt. And in some, uh, some salts, in some instances, that could uh, not be a good thing. Yeah, so that means a couple of different things, really. So first, the worst thing you could possibly do is dump in all your salt into an empty bin and then add water. And again, you're gonna create this super concentrated yep. solution where all the calcium alkalinity, not all, but most of the calcium alkalinity is gonna precipitate out. Yeah. All right, so a lot of you probably wouldn't do that one or uh, instantly make sense as to why you wouldn't. But there's another one, which is like, well, I also don't wanna make like a super concentrated solution, like say, half the water and then mix it in and then add water afterward. Mm. You just don't want to do that. You actually want to add the salt to make the correct amount of water and so fill the water up to where you want it and then add the salt to get the right, right salinity and you'll have way fewer precipitation problems. A lot of you guys already know this but just bring it home for everybody else. Don't add the uh, water to the salt. You add salt to the water and then related to that what is the next one? I mean that one is is pretty basic, so probably something that a lot of may, some beginners maybe get to fail at or, or make the mistake of. Uh, but if you read the instructions on the back of the uh, the bucket, in almost every case it'll tell you exactly that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is the the next fail. Uh, fail number six is not reading the instructions on the bucket. Yeah. So I mean, you just seem simple, like add a bunch of salt to the water, you're done, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so, but it isn't. And like all of these guys out here have very distinct uh, instructions oh, on yeah, it. Like, for sure. you know, some of them tell you to mix it for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. Some of you tell you to heat it for a certain period of time. Some tell you to don't heat it, yes. it you know, and some of them, and they all have very uh, specific reasons. And it's because of the type of chemicals they've used in there and uh, the levels that they're maintaining and you know, whatnot. So you should definitely read the instructions on the side of the bucket and especially for switching salts from one to the other you might find that some just don't store really well and they're like clearly tell you you should use this within 24 hours of mixing like you may not have known that I may have been True. storing salt for two months before just fine with my other batch of salt so read the instructions and and follow them especially if you're changing from one salt to another even now go back and look at your bucket of salt and like read what it says you might be surprised that you weren't doing it right and if you do <laughs> it right you might solve some of the problems that you were having before all right so number seven fail not cleaning your refractometer. Uh, I've been guilty of this before, before I knew what I was doing. And uh, I think you have, you, you've told us stories where, you know, it's, you test, you know, your salinity at one time and then you go back and you test it like three other times and you just get different answers every time. Mm -hmm. It's because you're not cleaning your refractometer. And it even goes for digital refractometers too. Clean those wells out with RODI water and uh, you should expect better results every time. Yeah, so for those who don't know what's happening here or what's happening for me and I didn't know it is uh, I was putting drops of water on there and it would read high and then I'd kind of like do it again and then it would read lower. What's happening is because I didn't clean it well enough last time, salt crystals formed on the lens and then I rehydrated them with uh, the water and it was saltier than uh, mm. like uh, the water in the bin I was testing. So when I washed it off with the next one, 
lo and behold, it's lower. So yeah, you definitely, definitely want to keep the equipment clean. You should keep a rag around, some RDI water. And at this point, for me, I actually wash it off with the sample. Yeah. Now do the sample, close it, and just do another one without even looking at it, just to make sure that it's all cleaned off and I'm getting a really, really good reading. So that's my number seven fail. And the number eight fail, uh, which one is that? I'm guilty of this one too, is not using a pump to mix your salt. So, you know, w when I first started, I had a five gallon bucket and I went through so many five gallon buckets that now I could just mix salt in these things. And I didn't have, maybe I was making more than one bucket. So I'd take a spoon and I'd go in there and I'd mix it up and then I'd go to the next one and I'd mix it up until it just felt like it was mixed properly to me. And then I'm good, I'm done, I used it. Same thing. Yeah, so. Not using a pump, big fail. Yeah, I, I did the same uh, spoon. I was using like uh, uh, brute trash cans yeah. and these 55 gallon drums. And I just mix it up and seemed like it was good enough, right? Also, I was building up all kinds of crust and stuff in there. I didn't know it was because of my poor behavior. Uh, <laughs> but like, I thought that was good enough and it really isn't. And that leads right into actually the number nine failure yeah. of mixing salt. What is that? Not mixing it long enough. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a big eye opener in the testing that we did for me uh, in that I've mixed salt, you know, maybe a couple hours, two hours, three hours, you know, and then I thought after two, th two hours, three hours, this should be completely homogeneously mixed. And then we ran a test and we lit, you know, a tank, a glass tank so we could see all sides with an eye chart in there and just did a 24 hour time lapse of mixing. And there are absolutely salts out there that should mix more than 10, 20, you know, upwards of 24 hours mm -hmm. before they actually get clear. Yeah, and so like same thing here, right? I was actually mixing for what? I don't know, man, maybe uh, a minute yeah. by, by hand. And that not, was it. Certainly not 24 hours, <laughs> no. right? The big pumps uh, are gone. But it's in my basement. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking down inside of a trash can, and to me, I don't know, it looks dissolved. Yeah. And then when you see it in that environment, well lit with glass, and you're like, you know what? The best salts out there dissolve in like six hours yeah. or so, you know, four to eight hours ish. Uh, and then you're like, well, uh, and the worst ones out there, like 24 and some of them actually farther than that. Yeah, true. Uh, and uh, like, well, you know what, man? Overnight, I'm just gonna dissolve mine for the most part. Uh, some of them, I, well, I know full well now dissolve faster and they're using like the highest grading quality ingredients mm -hmm. and stuff out there. I'll use those ones in probably a matter of hours. And just for a reference point, like I think we've all used the salt like shortly after. And if you're doing a 10% water change, like the fish probably aren't gonna jump out. It's right, not so toxic. Right. But like, if I know full well it isn't dissolved yet, why would I use it? True. You know, if I, I mean, like, I just mix it and wait a day. It's like, you know, if I know full well, I'm looking for best practices here, right. not like emergency stuff. You know. Yeah, so, it's, maybe it's like those people that are cautious about uh, the the rawness of their meats. Like, if it's mm -hmm. not cooked fully well, why would I eat it? Yeah, there you go. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, uh, so for 24 hours, I think is a good rule of thumb. Make sure you mix it. Use a pump, and you'll have the best results. Uh, if you're using some of the best salts out there, a few hours uh, maybe. But like, just looking in the bin isn't good enough. You can actually see all kinds of little micro uh, bits that aren't dissolved yet. Uh, and so uh, mix it with a pump. All right. So number 10 fail mixing salts. What is it? Uh, this one is storing it too long mm. uh, and for some so we did storage tests before upwards of like two three sometimes four weeks to see uh, how long you can store this stuff uh, and there are some salts out there again that you know after a, a week two weeks three weeks of storage we start to see like a fall in their parameters mm -hmm. uh, and so if i if i'm worried about keeping like, my salt in this tank at 8 dkh and i want to store my salt uh, i want to use it 
in a time frame that it maintains 8DKH. Again, there's a bunch of experiments he did. You can just go watch those things. But really, uh, if you maintain super high elements, a lot of them will drop over mm. time, in which case you might as well just use a salt that doesn't have those high elements if you want to store it for a long time. Right. right? And so, and one salt, again, is not the same here as the, as the next. They all have uh, kind of different approaches to their formulation and why they would uh, last longer than others. But we had some distinct information out there, and some of them, can last indefinitely. Oh yeah, right? like uh, we—they didn't change at all from the beginning. Like right. ESV was one of them. Tropic Marin was one mm -hmm. of them. And it's kind of their approaches to to doing it. But like some of the other ones out there, were dropping you know two uh, dKH and like you know 10, 20 parts per million in calcium during yeah. storage. And they're also forming all kinds of crust that's related to that inside your bin, so you had to mix them or clean them all the time. Like just pick a salt if you're going to store it. Pick one that stores well, like out of the bat, doesn't lower the values, you know. There's lots of them out there. Uh, uh, Brightwell was a pretty good one on that front as well. And so make sure that you pick one that like fits your actual need and what you're doing with it. Again, they're all different. They're not gonna all work the same. If you're gonna use it the same day, then use it and you really want high levels, then, you know, like Red Sea uh, Black Bucket here, yeah. like has a 12 DKH. If you want to run elevated DKH, you know, saw some of our experiments and the results of that, like that's a great option and go with it, but do it intentionally. You're picking that salt for a specific reason, then also know what not to do with it, which is store it for a super long time because you'll run into some of the other issues mm -hmm. and you'll have to raise them back up again and whatnot. That of course leads right into uh, the number 11 fail. What is it? This is related to those salts that you know you're storing, and they leave behind some uh, crust and crud. So not cleaning your vessels. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this was a problem that we had, and uh, that we used in this 200 and 250 gallon uh, storage tank over here. And some certain salts, before we knew, you know, that there was crud left over from storage, uh, we would get sheets of precipitate on the side of the of the tanks, and in the bottom it would collect in big chunks and the giant heaps of this uh, crud and stuff. So uh, we would have to citric acid, you know, probably once a month, run a whole uh, thing of citric acid through our storage vessels, clean it out, get it out of the system before we put any of that stuff in our tank, because we don't know what's in it. Yeah, well, you know, really, it's probably not like on its own if you just mix it up and put in your salt, like not so bad. But when it starts to get like concentrated, whatever that is, and like some of the salts out there, if you get from like less pure uh, sources, you know they have to use different materials to mm. kind of like bind up the impurities that come from those salt sources, and they're not readily available. But like, do I want to dose like concentrated chunks of that no. to the tank? Like, absolutely. Personally, not. if you no. give me an option, no <laughs> is the answer, right? And so one of my concerns actually was in my first few years of reefing. Again, I'm using the spoon or you mm -hmm. know pump or whatever. And then like I'd see all that crust in there, which I just kind of like thought was normal and all salts had. But like when I looked at it, sometimes like a pump would fall and it would like stir it all yeah. up and the water actually kind of like come brown because it had so much gunk in True. it. True. And I obviously wasn't going to dose that to the tank and do a water change with brown water. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. True. But I let it settle out. Mm -hmm. But like in hindsight, no, clean the bin. <laughs> right, I mean, like it's not that hard, you know. Yep. So uh, make sure to clean the bins that you're storing the water in, especially if you're, you know, getting all that gunk in there. Again, there's options out there that actually don't uh, get all that gunk in there, so you know they're using pure salt or so whatnot. But if you do get that stuff uh, formulating inside of your bin, 
you know, it's as easy as running a pump and some RODI water in there with some citric acid or vinegar or yep. whatnot. It'll just dissolve it all out. And then you can just like probably empty it and maybe wipe it out of the paper towel. It doesn't have to be hard. Right. Uh, and it can, you know, like you don't have to worry about dosing any of that stuff in your tank. So number that that fail, make sure to clean out your bins and don't dose that stuff to your tank. All right, so number 12 fail in terms of salt and reef tanks, what is it? Yeah, this one is trusting your front of your salt bucket when it says it makes 160 gallons. Most cases it will not. It'll make far Almost less. Almost every case. Yeah, almost every case, yeah. There was one in our testing where I weighed the, uh, you know, how many grams it takes to make like five gallons, did the math uh, based on the weights of the salt. And one actually made the 150 that it said it would. So, and that was the Brightwell Neo Marine. But other than that, far less. This really actually tests my faith and trust in some of the brands, uh, <laughs> to be honest, man, because like, yeah. uh, I understand they're kind of like, you know, fudging it and saying, well, if you're only using like for fish only or something, uh, then it would, you could actually scale it down or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but that's not true because like it says reef on the front of it, you know, or it, it says best for reef tanks, or it has the alkalinity numbers pasted on the front of it right. that are matched for use on a reef tank and that if you ran it lower, it wouldn't be that. So this is all smoke and mirrors to me and like Kane makes me like trust some of the brands mm -hmm. less than others. Uh, however, it's kind of a pandemic problem. So I'd encourage some of the people out there to change that and yeah. actually give honest numbers. I know that it kind of makes you look like uh, you're selling less of it and uh, mm -hmm. you know not as cheap, but actually what it does is earn trust with the people that use your product, right? So the Brightwell guys, bravo uh, for actually being the only one of the bunch that we tested that actually produced as much salt or, or water with the, that's uh, labeled on the bucket. Yep. All the rest of them were different. Some of them greatly so. So uh, that's a top fail is uh, don't uh, buy a bucket based on the number that's on there because like, yes. it probably isn't true. All right, so number 13 salt fail. This one's pretty common. <laughs> I see it all the time. What is it? Yeah, this is uh, blaming your salt for the issues in your tank. And uh, like we said, there, as far as like the best salt, like none of them are going to kill your tank or make the fish jump out because it's so toxic, uh, in which case, in, if you're mixing it up to proper salinity like every time and we all have that basic function down, uh, then I would say that your salt is not the issue of your like your RT or STN. It's not the issue of your algaes and it's not the issue of you know, like fish diseases popping out. It's it's probably 90 some or 90 higher than 90 some percent of the time not even closely related to the salt. Yeah. So it is possible. Right? Maybe. It's possible that the salt is so toxic that it killed stuff in there. But unlikely yeah. so it's, it's 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 probably more closely related to something like when i did my water changes oh the corals were like exposed to light and you know mm. a full blast or something or something else got in the rodi water or you know who knows what happened like or the things just stressed out and like just the water change itself True. stressed it out right and i say that because like if this thing was so toxic, it's probably not in this bucket or this bucket or this bucket. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to, you know, wipe out a lot of people's tanks. Oh yeah, it'd be right? pandemic for yeah. sure. I mean, there's something got in that batch, man, that like, you know, it didn't just end up in one bucket. Yeah. You know, it would True. be all over the place. And I guarantee we'd be getting phone calls like off the hook, like <laughs> with that brand, you know, wiped out. So I'm not gonna say it's not possible, but I would look for if that's really the case, like are other people having the same problem with that brand of salt, yeah. uh, specifically batch or whatnot. But really, 
I think that it's probably you know more beneficial to look at like what else did I do? I know I did a water change, but like what else happened as part right. of that water change? Because it's unlikely that not only is the salt so toxic, but I only did a 10% water change. So mm. like it's diluted by 10 to one, man. It was like, might as well say Drano on the front. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that is actually one of the biggest fails is like, uh, not in the essence that you don't blame the salt, but the essence that I don't get to chase down the real issue that caused it. Cause I've never run into a salt that actually run that, did nope. that. And I've been doing this a pretty long time. So uh, I understand though, if I do something and there's an action, it's really easy to blame the action. Uh, but most cases, not all, there's so, probably some time out there where one bucket got, you know, some like random thing in it, Could have. but, uh, and there have been times I should say mm. where they have definitely gotten the calcium and alkalinity, specifically oh, the alkalinity yeah. way off, way low or way high in the mixing process. So outside of testing for that, Probably not that. And, you know, we also have ICP testing now. So you know, if you're concerned about that kind of thing, that heavy metals got it and whatever, send mix it. them up and send out just some of the water, not from your tank, because you know who knows what, how it got in your tank, but mix up some of it's in the bucket, send it out, and then you can find out for sure. Okay, so number 14, I don't know if I'm gonna call this like a total fail, but it is a little bit of a fail to just assume that water changes are gonna maintain all the elements in your tank. Yeah, I mean, this is, okay, so, I've heard these arguments on like the forums and stuff where, hey, I have an SPS dominant tank, so I use like a Red Sea Coral Pro because uh, the elevated elements help buffer my alkalinity and calcium dosage, which, you know, when you think about it, it's not really true because there's consumption from these corals that if I was only using salt to maintain these things uh, and I had a high consumption rate, I would expect like those levels to drop like daily, dramatically. And mm -hmm. uh, so that means the next time I do a water change, my tank could be down to like seven, six, seven DKH and then I hit it again with 12. Uh, so I, it's not really buffering those type of things. It's kind of a method if you have like a really low domain tank, you oh, could yeah. use a super high alkalinity uh, salt like uh, the Red Sea uh, yeah. bucket here. Uh, but, and it would kind of ebb down and ebb forward, but you got to think about it this way. Like say I had a trace element of 10 parts per million, right? And yep. it dropped to eight. If I did a 50% water change with a 10 part per million salt, it's actually going to only drives back up to nine, nine yeah. right? I'm never going to go back up to 10. Yep. So it's just going to kind of seesaw down to a point where it kind of balances out and uh, like it will have a diminishing effect. So is it a way to replace some elements in the tank and maintain them to some degree? Absolutely. Sure. Is it a way to maintain them at like natural levels? No, mm -hmm. but it's also the easiest way and the hardest way to screw up you know, catastrophically, right. like way overdose or way underdose. True. So it is a method, but I would say it's kind of a fail to assume that it's going to uh, manage it totally. All right, so the number 15 fail of mixing up salt water, what is it? Uh, this is not using RODI water to mix up your salt. So, uh, you know, the name of the game is we are maintaining water and then the tank follows along. So mm -hmm. when it comes to ultra pure, you know, the best, giving us the best path of success uh, when it comes to keeping pristine water, it's using pristine water from the get-go to make our salt. Yeah, so I can tell you using water out of my house, man, it's filled with <laughs> silica, it's got copper in yeah. it. Like in fact, in Minneapolis, the water was like green from the organics mm. in it. Uh, and like, there's just all kinds of stuff, man, in, in our water and nobody really knows what it is. Yeah. So like, 
start with uh, absolutely pure water and then mix in the best salt mix that you can find and you will start with the highest quality water right out the bat. So like uh, I will absolutely say that, that RDI water is the staple of reefing and like pretty much in every single successful reef tank that I've seen. All right, so if I had to wrap up in all these 15 fails, like one simple takeaway from this, yeah. it's none of these salts are gonna be the reason that you fail or succeed, but there are differences between how you mix them, store them, how much effort goes into that, and know that a stable source or supply of salt water is the foundation of maintaining a salt water tank and really at the heart of everything that we do. So if you wanna see all of the experiments that we referenced when we were talking about these 15 different mistakes and uh, some how-tos on you know how to mix and store and all these other things, uh, you can catch the special playlist right up here and check all those out.